0: Hi, I'm Gabby. Welcome to the Happier Life Project, brought to you by free mental health and wellness app My Possible Self in partnership with the Priory Healthcare. Today, we're going to talk about confidence. Confidence means feeling sure of yourself and your abilities, not in an arrogant way, but in a realistic, secure way. Confidence isn't about feeling superior to others. It's a quiet inner knowledge that you are capable. So why do so many of us struggle with our confidence? Are some people born more confident than others? According to Psychology Today, somewhere between 25 to 50% of the personality traits linked to confidence may in fact be inherited. And the factors that contribute to low self-confidence combine and interact differently for each person. Your genes, cultural background, childhood experiences and other life circumstances all play a role. And then there's social media the media. Societal expectations, family expectations, all fan in the flames of your insecurities. But although we can't change the experiences from our past or the many voices around us, there is plenty we can do to alter our thoughts and expectations to gain more confidence to be seen and heard. To be confident offers a more positive outlook on life, increasing your mental and emotional well-being. And if that doesn't come so naturally to you, well, according to today's guest, that's when you need to put the work in. If you're struggling to cultivate more confidence in your life, then this conversation really is for you. Communication, self esteem, self worth, relationships, they're all intrinsically linked to confidence and how we show up in this world. So, ready to find a healthier, happier you? Let's get started. Welcome, Mina B, writer, speaker, mental health educator, therapist, and I would add social media influencer to <laughs> the list as well, <laughs> to the Happier Life Project. Hi, Gabby. Thank you for having me. We've got a lot to cover on on this episode. A bit about you first. You teach people how to cultivate self care and self advocacy through the lens of boundaries and community care. So confidence is obviously going to play a huge factor into that. Yes, absolutely. And working on it. Yeah. And I pulled this directly from um, your website. It's kind of a mission statement. You believe in the power of community-oriented healing as an emotional wellness practice that helps us understand how our relationships with others help to deepen the relationship we have with ourselves. Mm Yeah. Yeah. That's deep. <laughs> so, before we get into confidence, why and how did the mentioned become your life's work? Mm, so, my own personal
1: struggles with mental health is pretty much what led me to this work of healing really being into the mental health field and just really understanding you know, how the brain works, how the body works, how the mind works. But most importantly, how do people develop the resilience to continue on, even in the midst of adversity and hardship? And I think for me, because I had my own personal struggles and my own dealings with mental health, I realized that I had to build some level of self-advocacy as well as self-care to be able to maintain my well-being. You know, the boundary piece came into understanding that a lot of the things that I was dealing with also came from me being a people pleaser, me being codependent, me wanting Mm -hmm. to make everyone else happy while I suffered. And in order to change that dynamic, you do have to learn how to advocate for yourself. You have to learn how to advocate for your needs in order to get the life you think you deserve. And for me, it really meant tapping into my own wisdom and recognizing, okay, I have this pain, I have these struggles, but what role am I playing here in this? And when I realized that I lacked boundaries and I lacked the confidence to really assert myself and really advocate for myself, those were the areas where I realized I need to heal. And that began my life's work.
0: Mm. So confidence, Mm -hmm. confidence helps us to feel ready for life's experiences. When we're confident, we're more likely to move forward with people, with opportunities and not to back away from them. Do you think that on the sort of get go or from the start that people are born more confident than others? And how important do you believe those early childhood years are in terms of Nurturing and developing a child's confidence, and the problems perhaps if that isn't developed that can go on to affect us later on in life.
1: So, I definitely think early childhood development plays a role in a lot of the ways we show up in society, our self-esteem, our confidence, how we see ourselves, how we build connections. A lot of that definitely stems from childhood. It stems from having parents who are supportive, how your parents speak to you. Did you come from a childhood where your parents belittled you? If you got bad grade in school, they called you terrible names, they put you down, they weren't very supportive. People who grew up around emotionally immature parents or adults may also find that their parents had needs, emotional needs that they forced their children to tend to. So instead of the child having their emotional needs met, they found themselves having to care and and care for their caregiver, care for their parent, um, having to show up in ways that forces you to be more like an adult than a child. And so when you are raised in an environment where you're shrunken, You're told that you're not good enough. You're told that you're not smart. You're put down often. You're not praised. That can definitely impact how you develop and how you continue to move through the world. You know, if our our parents are often our first teachers, our parents Mm -hmm. are the people that we go to for validation. And so if your parent can't give that to you, your parent can Mm -hmm. buy you things, your parent can meet your basic needs. But if your parents are not meeting your emotional needs, then that can impact how you see yourself. That can impact Mm -hmm. your level of mental resilience. Right. I messed up, but my parent cheered me on and told me, I believe in you. I know you'll do better next time. It's okay that you fell. You can get back up versus I can't believe you. You let me down. I'm so disappointed in you. I could have raised a better child. I wish for a different child. These are things that children, adult children have shared to me that their parents have said to them. And so. Mm -hmm. When we think of early attachments and developing secure attachments and just how we see ourselves as children, we bring that into adulthood. And so now we struggle with feeling good. Confidence is all about feeling good. It's about recognizing that you have the capability to do the thing that you set to do. And when you have a parent who is consistently criticizing you or putting you down, you already have that voice that you're carrying. And so it takes a lot of inner work to be able to silence that voice and be able to say, my parents may not be able to validate me, but how can I validate myself?
0: Mm. I'm just looking at um something I'm pulled I think it was your Instagram maybe oh. confidence building starts in childhood but unfortunately traumatic experiences can alter how we see ourselves and feeling secure in who we are the good news is that confidence can still be built if you give yourself permission to do hard things and believe in yourself enough to keep going yeah yeah Well, here's a fun fact. You might already be aware of this. The word confidence comes from the Latin word fidere, which means to trust. So if we're to have self-confidence, it's basically we have to trust in ourselves. That led me to thinking about trusting our own decisions and convictions. Believing in ourselves is really hard to do. And I think maybe that's because many of us just feel clobbered by life, you know, by relationships, by our environment, by work colleagues, so many different things that are out of our control. Yeah, I think confidence
1: is diluted from the things that you mentioned. But now I think in this world that we live in where we have social media and we have all of these outlets that can tell us how we should be, what is considered beautiful, what is considered successful, what is considered smart. And when you feel like you don't possess those things, then Mm -hmm. you may not feel confident. If you consistently have a world around you telling you, this is what beauty is, this is what success is. And if you're not meeting that standard, then you're nothing. Maybe you're not good enough. And so why should you trust yourself? And I think it's so hard... To validate ourselves despite the noise that exists around us, but we have to do the work of fighting through and silencing those noises around us and learn to lean into our own wisdom, our own trust, and also tap into courage to recognize, I know what is right for me. I don't Mm -hmm. need social media. I don't need a news outlet. I don't even need a friend on my family, right? Because that's another area. We're all born into a family with pre-existing values and beliefs. So now you... Have an idea of the things you want to make you successful, the things you want to make you happy. And you have a family full of traditions that says, we don't follow those rules. That's not okay. That's not what I did as your parent or your grandparent. You're ruining the legacy of the family. And so now Mm -hmm. you have people who are blood, who people who you are close to, people that you love and admire that you don't want to disappoint, right? Forget the noise Mm -hmm. of social media. Now this is a a close connection that's meaningful to you. It's your family. And I often tell people, sometimes confidence is about recognizing that in the pursuit of your happiness, you might disappoint people and you have to be okay Mm -hmm. with that. Because if you consistently are leaning into the opinions of other people, you will never be happy. You are going to be living your life figuring out how do I satisfy my partner, my friend, my family, the world while I feel depleted, while I'm suffering, I can't go to bed at night because I lack joy. I feel miserable. I'm exhausted from trying to carry the weight of being everything to everyone and nothing to myself. And so when we think of confidence, we also have to recognize that in the midst of you, trying to do the thing and leaning into your own self-trust and building the life that you want, there are going to be people who have opinions and you have to let them have those. You have to let Mm -hmm. them have those feelings of disappointment and trust the same way you can work through your own emotions. Other people can work through their emotions too. But if we're chronically saying to ourselves, I can't have this thing because this person is going to feel this way, then we're not going to be happy.
0: Mm. what about on the flip side if it's somebody else disappointing you and knocking your confidence maybe it's heartbreak maybe it's not getting that job promotion again there's many different factors as to how that could be maybe you were, you were a confident person until something happened there was a particular incident maybe that's why you get clients that come and seek out you to to kind of get you back to where you used to be what about them
1: Yeah, absolutely. Our life experiences can definitely impact our self-esteem. So you could be really, really confident. Like you said, that partner that you were with, that you loved and thought you were going to get married to, you break up and now the sense of rejection makes you feel like you're no longer lovable. So you don't have confidence Mm -hmm. to go back out and date. Also, Mm -hmm. like you said, uh, you didn't get that job promotion. And so What have I been working hard for? Is it that I'm not smart enough? Is it that I'm not good enough? And so when you are the person on the other side who you've experienced something, it's really important for us to check in with our level of mental resilience, right? Because hardship does happen. And we have to ask ourselves, what are we doing to heal from this? Because there are things that are painful. Right. And so this hurts. This is heavy. And I got to give myself permission to feel this thing. But I don't have to allow this experience to define my life. And so I think there's a difference between recognizing what I'm going through is hard versus what I'm going through now shapes my future. Because that's a cognitive Mm -hmm. distortion called overgeneralizing where I say this one bad experience now defines the future for me. So I start to overgeneralize. I might also start to engage in catastrophic thinking where I think this one bad experience is now going to lead to a ripple effect of other bad experiences, right? And it makes Mm -hmm. sense that we do that because science shows that 80% of our thoughts throughout the day are negative, (laughs) right? And so we are in some ways wired as a form of survival to think the worst as a Mm -hmm. way to feel good. And one of the things that we have to do when we find that there is something that is trying to shatter our level of confidence, one, we might have to grieve, whatever that loss was. We also have to do the work of recognizing, am I taking this personally? So that person who didn't get the job promotion, you not getting a job promotion doesn't necessarily mean you're not adequate, but taking it personally might mean, I'm to blame. I'm taking this as a personal attack against me when it could simply Mm. be they were really great candidates. I could only select one out of five and it just ended up being that other person. I thought you were a star Mm. player. You could have, if there were multiple positions open, you would have probably gotten it, but there were so many good people to choose from. We went with this other person. It has nothing Mm. to do with you not being good enough. Even in that relationship, you might find that, Because of our incompatibility, that's why we're separating. It's not that you're not lovable. It's not that you aren't likable. So we also have to recognize how do I take things personally? How do I see things as a personal attack against me versus recognizing this was an experience. It was a hard experience, but I can grow through this experience. I can learn from this experience and I can continue to shape myself and give myself the things that I need to continue to cultivate confidence.
0: Mm. Why do we often dismiss our own dreams and happiness like it's a luxury that we can't afford? Because perhaps confidence is linked to this as well. Mm.
1: I think we often dismiss our dreams and happiness because we there's multiple things. One, it's easy to dream about something, but in order for you to be happy, you have to invest in your own happiness. Happiness is not just going to fall on your lap, right? Mm -hmm. And I think some people think that when people ask me, how do you become joyful? Well, you have to cultivate joy. You have to give yourself meaningful moments that will make your life feel joyful. Joy is not just Mm -hmm. going to come out of nowhere. And it's the same with happiness. And so I think the first step is it's easy to dream, but it's really hard to engage in action. So we have Mm -hmm. to ask ourselves, if this is a thing that I want, why am I getting in the way of taking the actionable steps to get there? Sometimes we live in our comfort zone and we recognize, well, if I want this particular thing that I know I'm really passionate about and I really want to pursue it, I have to put myself out there and it makes me anxious. And instead Mm -hmm. of saying, I can do this thing and manage my anxiety, we say, nope. And my anxiety is chronic fear and worry. And so if I feel fearful, that means this is bad and I'm just not going to do it. So I think that's right. the first issue that a lot of people have that we allow our emotions to control us. So if I feel yeah. fearful, I say, well, I shouldn't do this thing instead of working through the fear. A lot of people mm-hmm. will say to me, how do I become fearless in the pursuit of my own happiness? And I say, why do you have to be fearless? Why can't you pursue happiness while also just being afraid at the same time? So we, as a society, that term being fearless, being fearless, fear is a feeling. There's no way to eradicate feelings. I also don't think it's realistic to say that in the pursuit of the life that you want, you're never going to have fear. Of course, doing big things is scary, but that doesn't mean that you can't do it. You can be scared while simultaneously doing the hard thing. And I think that when people learn to manage their emotions and stop allowing their emotions to control them or dictate their decisions, they may find themselves moving closer to happiness. There's another Mm. thing I want to add to that, though. And there's a concept called delusional optimism. And what that means is we create these stories in our head that we get very hopeful and optimistic for, and we say, until that thing happens, I'll be happy. And what that does is it takes away from us recognizing the things that we have in front of us. That also plays a role in our happiness. So what we do is we say, I can't be happy until dot, dot, dot. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. When we reflect on that, we recognize, again, we're standing in our own way. By creating this Mm. false narrative that says, there's no way with what I have now, I can't be happy. But when I get that thing, I'll be happy. And I Mm. think we all have to really reflect on that because that's us. We do it to ourselves. It's our mindset. And until we shift that mindset, we're going to stay stuck in the place that we're in.
0: It's usually material as well, isn't it? It's like when I buy that house, I'll be happy. When I've got that car, I'll be happy. When I've got the new job, I'll be happy. It's kind of like having a a sort of tangible project to work towards versus... I think people are generally quite scared of their emotions, aren't they? Like they don't really want to go there if it's something that's maybe... I don't know, quite an extreme emotion like fear, love... I think people, like you said, get in their own way a lot and and they'd just rather shut things down or be closed off because the fear of getting hurt is, is too much to contemplate.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And I think we all, everything requires a risk in life. If you're not willing to take a risk, you're never going to grow. And so you have to ask yourself, am I happy where I'm at right now in this moment? And if there's something better out there for me, if there's something that I know that I desire, there's going to be a risk involved. And I have to be willing to take that risk to give myself the life I think I deserve. I always Mm -hmm. say that to people. If you have a life you think you deserve, it's your responsibility to give it to yourself. And I think that when we really tap into that, we recognize that, again, it's scary, but I can be afraid and get the job done. I don't have to wait for my fear to dissipate to say, well, once I'm fearless, then I'll get started. No, you have to get started while you're afraid so that you can teach yourself, oh, this isn't scary after all because I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. But until you mm-hmm. step into action, if you're standing still, you're not moving, you're not growing, you're not evolving. Mm-hmm. And we have to be willing to just put ourselves out there and take a chance on ourselves and believe we, we deserve to take a chance on ourselves as well.
0: Because probably people hide behind confidence as well in terms of, I'm not confident enough to do this. And I watched a YouTuber say that we've we've actually got it the wrong way. People think you need confidence to try new things or to chase for those dreams. But she said by trying new things and chasing those dreams, that's how we build our confidence. I think that's pretty much what what you were just saying. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Anything in life is built. Healthy
1: relationships are built. Confidence is built. Having high self-esteem is built. We create these things for ourselves. And I think people think, again, people think sometimes that it just happens. It's going to happen. I'm Mm -hmm. waiting for the day that it happens. And Mm -hmm. you have to say, no, that day is going to come when you make changes, when you take actionable steps. And when you recognize you're teaching your brain, oh, this thing can be done. I do have Mm -hmm. the courage to do this. This thing isn't as scary as I am. That's how behavior and emotion work together. The emotion is present, but until you engage behavior, that emotion starts to change. So for those of you, a simple thing is people who first started learning how to drive. It was your first time getting behind the driver's wheel. You were terrified, right? You have a driver instructor who's like, all right, we're going to get on the highway. Like the highway, I don't even know what I'm doing, right? So you're scared. But the more you're doing it, that fear dissipates. And now you just get in your car and you just drive without the thought of any emotion involved at all. Because you've taught yourself, I know how to do this thing. It was scary at Mm -hmm. first, but I still did it while it was scary because it was important to me. I knew Mm -hmm. the value of being able to drive. I knew I needed to have access to a vehicle. And so there that mm-hmm. thing was important enough for me to say, you know what, I have to work through this emotion and we have to treat our lives as just just as valuable. We have to say, no, this is important. I needed to learn how to drive to get from point A to point B. But for my life, I, it's just equally important. And so whatever it is that's hard for me, I have to tap into the courage to just get it done, even while I'm afraid, so that as time goes by, now I have courage. Mm -hmm. Everything just comes naturally for me now because I'm no longer afraid of this thing.
0: Mm. When it comes to confidence obstacles, I found a really interesting article online and I'd love to share it with you. It's taken from netdoctor.co.uk. Let me just pull it up here okay here we go nine confidence blockers and how to overcome them number one is stop worrying about what they think which you've already touched upon whether it's society social media your family friends or colleagues they are people we consider won't approve that they'll look at us critically or um, like persuade us against doing what we want to achieve and so a confidence booster suggestion is to apparently think about who inspires you and who has stepped beyond their restrictions to follow their own path Mm. okay number two is avoid people who bring you down do you have a friend or colleague who makes you feel bad about yourself or feels like an emotional vampire the suggestion is if your confidence is low consider who you want to be around if your mobile rings and the name that comes up makes makes your heart sink answer if your heart sinks call them back when you feel stronger mm-hmm. i think we all get that anxiety text or i would like the emails as well with work it's like i suppose with work you have to open them but you know there's certain people that you're right. just like oh what do they have to say (laughs) don't forget food can impact your mood when it comes to mood and behavior research shows we are what we eat so a nutrient-packed diet may help to reduce anxiety boost your mood and in turn this will help make you to feel more confident so the confidence booster would be to uh, stay hydrated and eat a nutritious diet learn that body language speaks volumes so you don't realize you might not realize it but your body language reveals a lot about how you feel on the inside so try to stand tall and and project a confident persona uh, try to stop living in fear if you're scared of what might happen then you find yourself living in constant fear of the unknown and you could be inadvertently pre- preventing yourself from achieving your goals so fear has the power to make our dreams a reality or completely stop us in our tracks. Mm -hmm. Um, And the first step to overcoming your fears is to face up to them, is the confidence booster. So it's just a couple more. Don't give in to your negative inner voice. So that little voice inside your head constantly making you doubt yourself can be really powerful. It can actually never stop talking. And so they suggest confidence booster to be positive affirmations. Identify stresses to overcome them. When we're stressed or pressured, then our um, innate fight or flight mechanism kicks in. And so the confidence booster is, if you are stressed, audit the situation by running through the various points. Ask yourself, do I have too much to deal with? Do I have sufficient control over what I do? Do I have enough support to achieve what's required of me? Are my relationships supportive? Do I understand my roles and responsibilities? How can I manage change? And the final one is don't chase other people's happiness. Are you hoping to meet the partner of your dreams to make you happy? Waiting around for someone else to make you happy is the best way to be sad. So a confidence booster would be from hobbies to personal goals or time. connect with what truly makes you happy. Mm. So that's that article. I thought there were some really good points on there. I mean, a lot of that, obviously, you will know. I thought those were some really, really
1: great points. I really liked the one about body language. It made me mm. think of when I was an undergrad, I actually studied business for undergrad. And then for grad school, I pursued my master's in social work. So when I was in undergrad for business, I had a business professor, of course, who talked to, talked to us about the power of a handshake. And, you know, that was so many years ago, but he drilled into us the power of being present in the room and giving a proper handshake, which is pretty much just a strong handshake versus a weak one, right? One where your arm practically feels limb versus you having control and really connecting with someone and really showing people that you're present in the room so that you become unforgettable. And so... I do a lot of speaking events. I I tend to be in a lot of public places. And because that was so drilled in me, till this day, I will have people who say like, wow, Mina, your handshake is so, so powerful. And I'll Mm -hmm. have people say like, this is Mina who gives a really, really great handshake. (laughs) Right. And it makes me think of even how we present ourselves without speaking can exude something about ourselves. And so a simple handshake, who would think that that would be something that people, oh, I can't forget that girl because she's the one who gave that powerful handshake, you know? And so something as simple as that around how we walk into a space and say, I belong here. And so I'm going to give people that powerful handshake because sometimes confidence Makes us develop some sense of social anxiety where I think even in the article and what we talked about today, we have this fear of judgment from others. And so we walk into a Mm -hmm. room concerned, so concerned about what other people are going to be think about, think about us. We don't realize that we're shrinking ourselves in that moment. Because the Mm. moment you start thinking, well, they're going to judge me, they're going to say something about my hair, they may may say something about my weight, they may say anything negative about me, you're already walking into a room, shrinking yourself and playing small. And then people are like, oh, I didn't even know you were there. And that's hard to hear. But I think Mm. when we reflect and say, again... Mental resilience is all about recognizing what is the inner work that I need to do to recognize maybe I'm the one getting in my way. And instead of focusing so much on what people think about me, how can I present myself so that people can have a particular mess? How can I give them information about me? And I can do that by walking into a room with my head high, my posture straight, and giving people that firm handshake. So that you know, yes, I'm here. Of course, I'm in the building and I belong in this building, you know? And I think there's a difference between being that person who exudes that confidence and knowing that I belong in this space and I feel good in this space. It doesn't matter what people think about me. I'm going to give you the information I want you to think. So when I come in this room, the way I speak, the way I talk, the way I hold myself, before you can cast any type of judgment, I'm giving you the critical information that you need before you could develop your own theory or opinion about me. Versus Mm. shrinking yourself so much that now people aren't even judging you, they don't even see you. And Mm. I think there's a huge difference between the two.
0: Do you think even a simple confident handshake and, and holding your head up high, walking into a room maybe with people that you don't know, if that seems a bit challenging, Do you fake it till you make it? (laughs) Sometimes you have to. Yeah. Sometimes
1: you have to fake it till you make it, you know? Um, And again, it is challenging, you know, especially if you're in an environment where you don't know anyone. Again, we don't have to live through life thinking in order to do something, in order to be confident, we have to be fearless. Mm -hmm. So you are going to walk into that room feeling, oh, man, this is kind of scary, But again, what are the words that I'm telling myself? How am I boosting myself? If I know this is scary, I need to give myself a good pep talk. I need to say Mm -hmm. to myself, you know what? This is really scary. I don't know anyone in this room, but I'm just going to mingle. I'm going to say hi to people. I'm going to shake their hand and I'm just going to walk around confidently, you know, because I can acknowledge that this is scary and still do the hard thing. And so I don't necessarily think that's faking it, but if we want to phrase it that way, Mm -hmm. you can, you can fake it till you make it because you might afterwards, you might have a conversation and tell someone, I was so terrified. Like I, I was freaking out the whole entire time, but I'm happy I didn't show it because I did it. (laughs) I was able to hide those emotions. Right. And so sometimes you do have to fake it till you make it, but you're also recognizing that the thing that I'm doing here is just recognizing this is hard, but I'm still doing it.
0: When it comes to self-care and the junk that we're holding on to, mental and emotional, as well, as well as physical, how do you suggest we can treat ourselves better so that we feel better in ourselves? I think for the mental part, that's very important because the
1: things you consistently expose your mind to can condition the way you see the world and it can start really altering some of the beliefs that you have about yourself. So I think the first thing is really paying attention to the things that you're chronically exposed to that really puts you down. Again, going back to social media, I always encourage people to do a social media cleanse every month or every quarter, just so that you can recognize Am I following social media accounts that make me feel good? It might be that for years, this person, this influencer, I love them. And now recently, every single time they post, I get agitated by them, but I feel connected to them because I've been following them for so long. So instead of unfollowing them, just mute their page. Or maybe you can't stand seeing their stories but what they post in their feed is fine, mute their stories. So I think the first step is doing a social media cleanse to make sure we're not consistently exposed to things that really bring us down because your social media is something you can control. You cannot control what other people post, but you can control how you react to that by recognizing, oh, now I'm gonna unfollow or I'm going to block or I'm going to mute them you also might recognize that there are some social media platforms that are just too overbearing for you. So maybe I don't need to be on Facebook because my family is on Facebook and they're always fighting. And every time I go on (laughs) Facebook, they're nitpicking with each other. There's some sort of issue. This platform feels so draining. Maybe I just don't even need to engage on that platform anymore. Right. So those are Mm -hmm. some ways that I would encourage. Another thing And this is about building up both your mental and emotional self-care is really doing that work of talking highly about yourself, giving yourself a pep talk, giving yourself words of affirmations, saying kind and good things to yourself, because a lot of us are naturally inclined to tear ourselves down. And Mm -hmm. as I shared earlier, unfortunately, 80% of our thoughts are negative throughout the day. And so you have to think out of that 80%, how many of those thoughts are about me that are negative? And so I, and anyone else, I encourage people to be able to recognize what are the thoughts that you're having, because you want to be able, in order to build mental resilience, you have to speak kindly to yourself. And so self-care is also about nourishing yourself and nourishing yourself is about how you view yourself. How do I speak to myself? Would I talk to my child the way I talk to me? Would I talk Mm -hmm. to my colleague the way that I talk to me? And if you find that you'd say no, chances are you need to develop a better form of communication that you have towards yourself. So those Mm -hmm. are some things that I really encourage people to start with when it comes to recognizing what are those outward sources that we can start setting limits around that we know Mm -hmm. don't make us feel good, but internally... We have to set limits with ourselves and learn to Mm -hmm. be kinder to ourselves and just be more in tune with the way we treat ourselves.
0: So we're putting the work in with how um, we're treating ourselves and we're doing the work in terms of how much we're letting social media, the media in general, TV, films, books, the press, how much like that is affecting us and our confidence relationships with others is a little bit more tricky some slides I hope you don't mind that I um, pulled from your Instagram I'd love to share because I thought they were just really really helpful and could be applicable to friends family and you know, romantic partners. Four slides, if that's cool. Yes, that's fine. You said it is healthy to have standards and expecting someone to show you kindness and empathy and be respectful of your time is not too much of an ask. It's the bare minimum. That was number one. (laughs) Number two, it is healthy to want your emotional needs to be met when a person consistently fails to show up, commit, or continuously leaves you feeling confused. It's okay to move on or do what you need to to protect your emotional well-being. It is healthy to pay attention to how somebody makes you feel. If a person is constantly making more withdrawals than deposits and leaves you feeling unhappy and drained, you must be willing to ask yourself why this person still has access to you and if what you're gaining matters more than what you're missing or losing. And the last one was, uh, it is healthy to be an adult and communicate when things are over instead of dragging people along or ghosting them. Maybe that is a little harder with family members. (laughs) (laughs) But I was like, I need to blow these up and put them on my wall. (laughs) These messages.
1: Absolutely. I think we all could just use the reminder every now and then regarding um, relationships. But I think it's interesting when you say family too, because I think that reminder still correlates. I think it's important to remember that even family members owe you respect and kindness. I think Mm -hmm. sometimes we follow through blind loyalty. We end up following family members because we're like, well, they're blood. So even though... They're mean to me, and they talk down to me, and they're very terrible and nasty to me. Yeah, and they chip away at my confidence. Right, and they're making withdrawals more than deposits, and they're they're impacting my self-esteem and my confidence and how I see myself. They're family, you know, and I hear people say that all the time, and it's important to remember that your family is still just a relationship, right? Yes, it's through mm-hmm. blood. It's a relationship yeah. through blood. All relationships require emotional safety in order for us to develop secure attachments. The reasons why we have such avoidant and disorganized attachments with our family members is because they don't make us feel good. They are not kind. They are not respectful. They make more withdrawals than they do deposits. And yes, you are my person through blood, but you still owe me respect and kindness. Mm-hmm. It is still healthy mm-hmm. for me to expect this from a family member. And so yeah. there are some people who have to recognize that because it's family, when you draw a boundary, The repercussions to it might look a little different compared to maybe a friend or a partner, but your Mm -hmm. emotional safety is still important, whether it's with a friend, partner, or a family member. It's just Mm -hmm. that the way that person might react might feel a little different because you know this is a family member. But I really encourage people to recognize your boundaries matter. And when a family member is making you feel unsafe, they're making you feel small, and they're not willing to do the work to hear you and understand how they're making you feel and how they're contributing to your lack of emotional wellness, then it's important for you to decide, how do I show up here? How will I continue to communicate? The holidays are coming, and so if I'm going to see them during the holidays, what does that look like? Do I want to go to their house over the holiday? Is it better for me to stay in a hotel? That is what a boundary looks like. Oh, I don't actually want to have this conversation around the dinner table. I'm going to change the subject, or I'm just not going to participate. So if you continue Mm -hmm. to ask me questions, I just want you to know I'm not being rude, but I don't plan to respond things like that. And is it going to elicit some emotions from them? Yes, people are people. People have feelings. I often tell people when you erect a boundary, stop expecting people not to have an emotional reaction. They're going to because people have feelings and emotions. The difference is you have to stop feeling responsible for their feelings and you have to stop feeling like you're responsible for fixing their feelings. You have to allow people to feel what they feel and then give them the space to work through it. So it's the same Mm -hmm. with the family member. You don't want to stay at my house during the holidays. No, I would prefer to stay at a hotel. I can't believe this. This makes me so angry. I'm so sorry, but you know, this is what's best for me and my family. I'll see you during dinner, but we're going to continue to stay through a hotel, right? You know, and so allowing that person to be okay. I'm angry about it and I'm sure you're going to be okay right? You know, have the courage to recognize that I've been angry too. I've been annoyed too. I've been frustrated too. And I was, I did the work to be introspective and have self-awareness to recognize, well, maybe their boundary is just the way that they're protecting themselves. And so I can also erect boundaries as a way to protect myself and not make it personal. So I think when we really start to own that, own that we're allowed to have boundaries with our family members and be okay with our family members being hurt or disappointed or sad or mad in order for them to go through those difficult emotions to be able to change the structure of the family mm-hmm. because sometimes we need that to heal. Yeah, Sometimes the family needs those wounds to recognize, I can't believe you don't want to stay at my house anymore. But when (laughs) you realize that pain and you work through it, this is a new custom now. And I'm Mm -hmm. realizing, you know what, we can adjust to it. It's hard in the beginning to know that something that we once did is something that you don't want to do anymore. And I'll be upset for a while. I'll be annoyed. But I can work through that. And now this is just Mm -hmm. a new custom that we we all have to adjust to.
0: Mm, I think sometimes there's a bit of inner conflict there and maybe it's because of how we're raised and how it's projected onto us through the screens, whichever screen is that sort of happy family dynamic. And it's like, well, I shouldn't, you know, they're my family. How could I say that? How could I put that boundary in place? So I think people, yeah, sometimes are, especially I would imagine if it's like mum or dad or grandparents where you, you are brought up to believe well they're the elder they're the ones that do, you know it's that kind of command of respect isn't it from when we were kids that sometimes we kind of think that that programming needs to stay in place even when we're fully grown adults and probably living on our own or with family and have, yeah. have built up our own life but then we revert back to being a kid when, when we do get with with those caregivers you know mm-hmm. absolutely that does happen so the the last thing I just kind of wanted to touch upon in terms of confidence is in the workplace, because I know this is an area you do lots of work in. And again, that can be really challenging if you've got overbearing and overpowering work colleagues that might speak over you a lot or an intimidating boss, but this lack of confidence might be holding you back from even just in its simplest form, enjoying your work more or like being promoted getting that pay rise you probably have to these days ask for the pay rise for it even to happen not always but a lot and what do you suggest here Mm. you know there's many different things to touch upon I think the
1: first one is recognizing that in the workplace we can't control people we can't control that person who works tirelessly, works through the weekends, and then we say, well, you know, this person is getting a promotion and this person is getting all of this and they work all these hours that I can't work. We have to be mindful of my boundaries on my boundaries, their boundaries are their boundaries. I can't control how they show up. I have that overbearing boss. I cannot control my boss's personality. I cannot Mm -hmm. control how they effectively do and manage their work. I think a lot of the times when I'm working with clients in the workplace, I realize how so many people are fixated on the behaviors of others that it pulls away from them owning who they are and showing up as they are. So this person is doing this. I want to get this promotion, but look at how this person is showing up and they're doing all this and they're doing all of that. Do you have the same amount of energy to exert? And if the answer is no, then you have to let them be them and you continue to be you. But I think where the gaze becomes so fixated on this person is this, this person, this person, this person, that we start to create this anxiety because we don't feel good about ourselves. And we Mm -hmm. think now I have to do more, I have to be more, I have to conform, I have to change, I have to adjust. Instead of just being content with knowing when I enter my workplace, I know I show up as my full self and I know I give 100%. And the way I give and the way I pour out my effort is going to look different from a colleague. And confidence is not about comparison. I think that's the thing, too. We're looking at what other people are doing, and we're assuming that if we don't start behaving that way, we won't be seen. But we have to ask ourselves, how am I showing up and uniquely being me? Because, yes, that's the loudest person in the room, but are they being heard? You could, you could be loud, you can shout, you can scream, you could be the first person to raise their hand. But are you actually being heard? Are you giving something of value, right? Mm-hmm. And so I could be the one who I don't show up the way they do, but I'm heard. I'm seen, I'm validated. Mm -hmm. So I think when we stop comparing and assuming that because this person has this particular type of personality, they're going to get more than me or this is going to happen, we have to just show up as who we are and be Mm -hmm. confident and say who I am as this employee is enough. I Mm -hmm. have the skills. I have the effort. I know what I bring to the table. And when you can say that about yourself, none of those things you point out no longer matter. Okay, my boss Mm -hmm. is a little micromanaging. I'm not going to take it personal because clearly that's a them issue, not a me issue. I can figure Mm -hmm. out how to respond to them. I'll still be me and I'll just make sure I respond in a way that doesn't disrupt my peace because that's a them thing. Right? That colleague who's always doing extra and doing all of these different things, that's a them issue. It's not a me issue, but I can control how I respond. And I can make the choice that gives me peace versus disrupting my peace. And I think that is the most critical thing that we can do in the workplace where we stop comparing and we say and we own, this is who I am and recognize what we bring to the table and be confident with that and stop assuming that Mm -hmm. I have to be more like that person or like this or like that to be seen or valued in the workplace.
0: Gosh, pretty much everything of what you just said could also be applied to romance, dating Mm -hmm. and relationships, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Showing up being your authentic self. This is who I am. This is what I bring to the table. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: I just want to squeeze in because I'm curious what you think. But I would assume a lot of people struggle with finding their purpose in life. You know, you can have the great job, you can have everything on paper, but there's still something and you can't put your finger on what it is that's just not making you feel right. And I wonder, again, through the lens of confidence, do you think finding purpose and finding purpose might be just not just, but it might be in volunteer work. It might be serving others, With no agenda, that might be something that just fulfills you in a way that other things don't. Everybody's going to be different in that respect. Do you think living a purposeful life would be, you know, if we could find out what it is that's going to give us that meaning, then we're going to have that peace and have that confidence to do what we do, be who we are. I think
1: purpose is definitely important because studies do show that when people find that they have purpose and meaning in life, they're able to get through hardships and adversity in a different way compared to people who feel like they don't have meaning, meaning. they feel lost. Because when you feel like you have purpose and meaning, you have something to cling to that gives you hope and it gives you a reason to wake up in the morning. It gives you a sense of passion. It tells you, it lights this spark within you where despite what's going wrong, these are the things that are going right. And there's so much more out there. And so I do think meaning, finding meaning and purpose is very, very important for our livelihood and for just nourishing our well-being. And I think it's a cycle. I think that when we find the things that we're passionate about and gives us purpose, we become more confident. And I do think when we have confidence, we're able to step out to find the thing that we feel gives us purpose. So I actually mm. think it's kind of like, um, like a cycle. A two-way street. Yeah, it's like a two-way street. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think confidence is really a, for example, you know, I worked a traditional job for a really, really long time. And I knew my purpose was to educate and teach. And I had to have the confidence to say, I'm going to quit. I'm going to walk away from the nine to five and I'm just going to take the risk of being self-employed. And that Mm. took confidence to get there. And now that I'm working in something that I'm passionate about, it builds my confidence every day. And so I think that for some people, we have to ask ourselves, what are the things that we want to try? Because learning what you're passionate about also requires you to try new things. It requires you to step out of your comfort zone. The things that you think about often, the things that you're like, you know, when I'm on a computer on social media, I dream about that. That might be a sign that maybe it's something that really does interest you. And so until you try it, you won't really know what it feels like, right? It's just in, in your imagination right now. It's not real. It's not tangible yeah. until you do it. So I really encourage people to start thinking about things that are very important to them. Things that they have not tried, that they have a strong connection and desire to try and put yourself out there and see how it makes you feel. You might find that I wanted to try this thing for so long and I did it and it's terrible and you realize, oh, this isn't for me after all. But then you do it. And on the other side, it could be, wow, I really love this. And it's not just a job. I think it's important to remember your purpose is not just your career. It could right. be many other things, you know. And so I think when we put ourselves out there through confidence to confidently say, I'm going to try this thing, I'm going to take the risk, then you will able to see how purpose develops in your life.
0: Oh, wonderful answer. You could defer to that for the last point, which is I ask every guest at the end of the episode to set us some homework based on the theme of the episode. So in this case, what is a simple, actionable thing that we can all do when it comes to improving our confidence that will help us on our journey to building a happier life?
1: I would say think of something that you've been wanting to try for the first time and get it done. And it can be simple. It could be, I want to try a new recipe. I don't think I'm the greatest cook, but I'm going to try that new recipe and see how it turns out. I might find that I want to try to run, you know, an extra mile on a treadmill. Let me see if I can push myself to do that. What is something that you've been wanting to try lately and find the courage to just do it? Don't think too deeply about it. Don't let fear get in the way. Just try it and see what the results are.
0: Thank you so much, Mina B. Um, for more on you, I encourage people to head to your website, which is www.minesperINAA M I N A A B is in the number B at uh, the number B it's not a number. <laughs> <laughs> The letter B.com. <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, your Instagram is uh, Mina, M-I-N-A-A underscore B. <laughs> just wanted to make sure I got that right and still managed to botch it up. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for a really, really brilliant conversation all about confidence. Thank you, Gabby. I love this conversation. Thank you for having me. Everything that comes out of her mouth is just absolute gold. Thank you again to Mina B and thank you to you for making it through to the end of this episode of the Happier Life Project with me, Gabby Sanderson. And now I couldn't say goodbye without the important housekeeping. If you are suffering with your mental health, there is a crisis button on the My Possible Self app, which will signpost you to the correct information for immediate expert advice. For those of you who are listening on one of the podcast platforms and not on the app, the My Possible Self app is completely free to download, so you don't need to worry about it costing you anything. If you get the chance to leave us a review, that would be very much appreciated. And to find and follow us on social media, we are at My Possible Self, and I've been at Radio Gabby. Today, I'm going to sign off with a quote from the Dalai Lama. With realisation of one's own potential and self-confidence in one's ability, one can build a better world. Do take care and I'll see you on the next one.